Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Good morning, VLC family. Good to be with you here the day after Christmas. I want to pray with you this morning that God will bless you in your homes and uh, you'll open up your minds and your hearts and you'll be intentional about worshiping him this morning from the convenience of your home. Father, please honor your name as we talk about the names or the blessed names you've given us through the prophet Isaiah. Speak to us, comfort us, encourage us. And receive our adoration as we yield our hearts and our minds to you. And I yield my voice to you and my will and my brain to you this morning. May your will be accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know. I hope that you had a beautiful holiday yesterday with your family and friends. I pray that everyone got along and that there was no name calling. (laughs) Speaking about name-calling, you know, names can hurt. You know, they said, sticks and bones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. (laughs) Whoever said that, that's not true. So I pray that uh, it was a wonderful time, and you said wonderful things to all those that were in your home. But I do want to talk about those four names, those four blessed names that the prophet Isaiah gave us in the scriptures. And I want to read a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, where the scripture teaches us that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and Everlasting Father. And I want to talk to you about those four names this morning, and I pray that they will bring comfort and wisdom to you. Let's look, first of all, at Wonderful Counselor. In order to understand what this means, especially since Jesus is going to personify this, I can't help but think of a way of understanding that he is a Wonderful Counselor by understanding the name Counselor. Well, by looking at the Holy Spirit, I believe we'll understand Jesus' role as a Wonderful Counselor counselor in John 14, 16, and 17. And by looking at these verses, we'll have a better glimpse at the wonderful counselor, Jesus the Messiah. Scripture reads this way, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, counselor, to help you and be with you forever. Notice the key phrase, another So Jesus is the wonderful counselor, and he's going to give us another counselor that is the Holy Spirit. And we kind of understand his role or what he's counseling us on when we look at verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That's the key phrase. We don't know what the truth is today, but Jesus has the truth. The world cannot receive him, that is the Holy Spirit, because It isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. 
but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. You see, we have a built-in counselor. Anywhere we go, anytime, any place, we can call on the wonderful counselor. Well, as I think about wonderful counselor, I think about, secondly, counsel can be found in the words of Jesus for every situation. I don't know what situation you find yourself in this morning, but you need wise counsel from a wonderful counselor. I can't help but think back when Jesus walked the face of this earth and people went to Jesus for counsel. I think about Philip. He didn't understand who God was. I don't think any of us did. We see his mighty deeds. We see his power on displays. We read the Old Testament. But what is he like? What does he look like? And so Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father and that will settle it. In John 14, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, here's the counsel. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? There's the wise counsel. We're looking for the Father. We're trying to understand what he's like. Allah, Jesus said, here I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Religious leaders who supposedly knew who the Father was came to Jesus and asked him a, a question. What is the greatest commandment? Now, remember, the Jewish people had over 1,613 commandments. We as Christians think about the Ten Commandments. And if someone were to ask you, what's the most important commandment of them all? I wonder which one you would pick. Well, let's go to the wonderful counselor, Jesus, and find out which commandment it is. It is spelled out in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 39. Teacher. Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And secondly, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. You can take the whole Bible and you may become familiar with it, but if you were to do the Reader's Digest version, the Bible tells us that is the most important commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Well, disciples of the religious leaders needed some counsel, and they wanted to know whether or not, being spiritual leaders, should we pay taxes? Should the Jewish people pay taxes to the Romans? Should we today have to pay our taxes? That was the question posed to this wonderful counselor. Remember, the counsel he gave was going to be far different than what the people were normally used to from the religious leaders. Matthew 22 gives Jesus counsel. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. 
Now, tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said, why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture or title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. The scripture elaborates on this a little bit more when they were astonished at his answer. You see, if you want real answers to your questions, you go to the scripture and you go to the wonderful counselor. There was also a famous religious leader called Nicodemus. He also needed some counsel about a particular phrase, born again. He didn't quite understand it when Jesus said in John 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He was a religious leader of all Israel. He didn't understand technically how to get people in the kingdom of God. And that's what he was paid to do. There are many people today living that do not understand the phrase being born again. A couple passages that will at least help us become familiar with exactly what he means by being born again. Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's one of the key phrases, saved, has a bit to do with being born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone that belongs to Christ, again, we're trying to understand the phrase being born again, has become a new person. Ah, there's part of being born again. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. That's kind of spelling out what it means to be born again. It's a brand new life. You're born in this life, and then you are born in the family of God when you repent of your sins and when you put your confidence and faith in Jesus alone and the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the family of God. You cannot do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And this religious leader needed that wise counsel from a wonderful counselor. One more thing about the wonderful counselor. I'm sure today that many of you are going through many things. You may tr be trying to decide how many kids you want to have in your family. Where do you want to move to? What kind of job you need for 2020? What kind of income do you need? You're making major decisions as a college, college student. Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to move to to find work? The Bible clearly tells us where to go to to find this counsel, this godly counsel in Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man or the individual that's looking for this counsel, the Bible declares, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. If you flip the coin around, here's what it says, and it's being accurate. Blessed is the person that's looking for wise counsel from the wonderful counselor, 
besides my word, besides the Holy Spirit, besides me, myself, guess what? I've given you the church, and if you will walk, if you will stand, if you will sit, and if you will run with godly people, they will give you additional counsel from my word about the decision that you're about to make, whether it's a wise one or not. You see, the, Isaiah, uh, the prophet declared to all of us, when Jesus comes, you'll know who he is because he's going to be called the Wonderful Counselor. Not only is he the Wonderful Counselor, but he is Mighty God. We will know it is God in the flesh. How? John 10, 37 reads, Do, don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. So the mighty God, Jesus is supposed to be mighty God. That's how we're going to be able to differentiate between who Jesus is and who the imposter is because he's going to carry out his Father's work. What, what did he do? Well, he, he only created the heavens and the earth, and there are so many other things he did. The Scripture declares, but if I do his work, in John 10, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe in me, those are the mighty works. And then he said, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. He shall be called mighty God. Well, let's examine scripture. Did he indeed prove that he was Mighty God. Everyone else saw him as Jesus from Nazareth. All the religious people saw him as Jesus the carpenter. Well, let's look at a couple incidences in the scripture. I like his power over nature, which he created himself. I love the passages that talk about Jesus on the water, specifically in Matthew chapter 8. Mighty God. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping, and the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, <laughs> he's sleeping, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up. Rebuked the wind and the sea and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Aha, Isaiah said he would be called mighty God. People needed to know it was God in the flesh. What about his power over man? Satan and his demons. You see, the scripture tells us he had power and authority over everything. John 19, 11, when, when Pilate thought he had control and power over Jesus, and he said, listen, I can sentence you to death. Speak up on your behalf. Don't you know I have this authority? Here's what Jesus' response was in John 19. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. 
So Jesus is declaring, not only by his works, but verbally he's declaring, listen, there is no man that has authority over me. Also, there is no demon and not even Satan himself that has power over Jesus. In Luke eleven fourteen. One day, Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. Well, if the demons were more powerful than Jesus, he wouldn't be able to do this. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak, and the crowds were amazed. And then Luke 10, 18. Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus is declaring, he is the mighty God that the, uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied would come to this earth. And he proved it by casting out demons. He had authority over Satan and his demons. He also had power to do something that only God could do. What was that? To forgive sins. In Luke chapter 5, he demonstrated that authority, that he was mighty God and he could forgive of sins. We'll pick up in verse 20. Seeing their faith, he said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is, that blasphemer? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus, because he's mighty God, knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, that he's mighty God. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately... As everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Yes, no matter what you have done this day after Christmas, as you look forward to the new year, no matter what sin you have committed, no matter what your past, Jesus will forgive you. There is no sin that Jesus will not forgive you of. So are you weighed down with the guilt of sin this morning? Lay it at Jesus' feet. He said he will forgive you of all sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. As I think about mighty God that Jesus is, I think about something that's extraordinary. The power to give life. Only God could do that. When people read the Old Testament, they read in a couple places where God actually breathed into Adam, life, and Eve, life. But there were a couple of other incidences. No one can give life. And so when the prophet Isaiah said, the, the wonderful counselor would be called mighty God, that means he needed to be able to do mighty acts. And Israel was 
very familiar with the history of Israel and how God had delivered them from the Egyptian bondage with mighty deeds and mighty acts and miracles. Well, then Jesus, this Messiah, who was to come, he will be able to do mighty acts. And one of those mighty acts is to give life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the passage John chapter 11, Jesus proved to everyone around him that he had the ability to give life when he went to visit Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, and he made a visit. He paid a call to them, and there were religious leaders around. There was a lot of family around. A lot of people were present. When the question was posed to him, Jesus, I wish you'd have been here earlier. You would have been able to... Bring them back to health. And Jesus told her in John 11, 23, your brother will rise again. (laughs) Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she said. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So Jesus told Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And everyone saw that Jesus had the ability to impart life to someone that had died. But I want you to think just a little bit further with me this morning. You will one day die and be separated from your flesh, but you will live forever. And so the real life that Jesus wants to give you is life from the second death. What's the second death? That's when you will be eternally separated from God if Jesus is not your Savior. He wants to give you life so that you will not die a second time. He has that ability to give you life even if you've died in the flesh. And he has the ability to give you life everlasting. Which leads me to something else that the prophet Isaiah said about the Messiah. That 700 years down the corridors of history, was going to walk on this planet, and you would know him not only because he was mighty God, wonderful counselor, but because he is everlasting father, everlasting. Hmm. We know God is everlasting, but the Messiah? Well, do you know that Jesus existed before Abraham? Wow. The religious people were taken back by that when Jesus and John 8 reminded them, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was ever born, I am. He is the everlasting father. He existed before the world was created, before Abraham and before the world was created. 
We're familiar with that passage in John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word that already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And so this everlasting Father that's walking around in the flesh is telling everyone, I am an eternal creature. I have never been created. I have always existed. He existed before anything was created. Colossians 1.15 reminds us of this truth. Christ, the Messiah, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is that wonderful counselor that Isaiah talked about. He is the mighty God proven through his mighty miracles and mighty deeds that he did in front of all men. He is the everlasting Father. He has the ability to impart Life to you, eternal life with the Father. The last thing I want to mention to you this morning. Isaiah the prophet said, he will also be called the Prince of Peace. Now, Jesus has been called a lot of things, but I just wanted to major on these four names that the prophet Isaiah gave to us that you might be able to relate to Jesus just a little bit better this coming year. He is a wonderful counselor. Go to him for all your counseling needs. He is a mighty God. He will act on your behalf. He takes care of you. He loves you. He is the everlasting father, so he's the one you go to for everlasting life, for eternal life. But he also is the prince of peace. How this world could use peace. Well, when Jesus was about to break on the scene of this planet and right at that moment when he came, we read in the passage of Luke 2, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. He is the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace. The earth knows absolutely nothing about peace. Why? Because they rejected the Prince of Peace. Because he's the one who can broker peace between them and God. This is a needed peace because the Bible declares that we in this world are at war with God. So we need to understand 
this very clearly. In James chapter 4, the scripture teaches us, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you know in Scripture that God declares all men enemies of God? All have sinned. All have rebelled against God. That's why we need the Prince of Peace. How can we obtain this peace? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done. What did he do? Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Jesus Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself and made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. May I state it just even a little bit more clear even though the scripture is so clear. How can you obtain this peace? Because we're at war with God, we need to go to the one that can make peace for us. And so Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, and God was pleased with that perfect sacrifice. And if we call on Jesus, Jesus, save me, at that very moment, he will forgive you of your sins if you'll confess them to him. And he will adopt you into the family of God and he will make peace between you and God. That is the only way to make peace with God. You see, God is the peacemaker and he, he calls the shash. You wave the white flag. What are the terms, God? How can I make peace with you? And Jesus said, I've made peace between you and the Father by dying on the cross on your behalf. Call on me and I will save you and make peace by my blood. Jesus gives us peace with God so that we can live with him forever and ever. One final point I'd like to make this morning. You see, he is our wonderful counselor. I'm so glad I have been able to go to Jesus my entire life. I've always said this. He is my counselor. Jesus, you are my counselor. I go to him for all my needs and to figure out all my problems. Yes, sometimes I ask for assistance from other people, but he's the main one I go to. Yes, he is my mighty God because he transformed my life. I now walk a different path because of the miracle that took place in my life. He is my everlasting father because I have everlasting life. I know where I would go if I die tonight because he is my savior. He is the mighty God, and he is the prince of peace. He has made peace on my behalf. But something that we all yearn for, and that is the peace that Jesus gives us, needed to live life. Okay, we're on earth. I know I have peace with the Father. I know I'm going to heaven. But all around me, there's chaos. How in the world can I have peace with all the commotion happening all around me? In John 14, 27, Jesus said this to all of us. The Prince of Peace said this. I am leaving you with a gift. What is that gift? 
peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Our minds are constantly being attacked. Our wills are constantly being challenged. How in the world can we have peace with all the sicknesses and the illnesses and the wars going on? Well, they will continue until Jesus comes back. But he did say, in the midst of all this, just like the apostles on the boat, in a troubled storm, he says, don't be afraid. Peace. And immediately, the outward circumstances changed. But really, he wanted the hearts to change. He may not change the outward circumstances in your life. But he will grant you the peace to live through those troubled times and good times in the valleys and on the mountaintops. Well, this Christmas, we all could use some good counsel from the wonderful counselor that Isaiah said was going to come to earth. And he did. He is the mighty God. And he proved that by raising up his own life. And he showed himself to over 500 people at one time. He also offers you this Christmas holiday season eternal life at the asking. Whoever asks shall receive. Would you like eternal life? Confess your sins. God, I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ that he is God in the flesh and he died for your sins and rose again. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he will grant you eternal peace and he'll give you peace of mind and he'll give you peace of heart today. I thank you for joining us this morning, the day after Christmas. I pray that you will have a wonderful, wonderful week and a very happy new year. Let me pray in ending this message this morning. Father, thank you for being all of what Isaiah said you would be and more. May this holiday season be a wonderful time where people turn to you that are listening in and laying their troubles at your feet so that you can grant them the peace of mind and peace of heart this holiday season. And help us with our commitments this coming year a commitment to worship you, a commitment to follow you, a commitment to tell others about you. All because for God so loved the whole world, he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. For that, you deserve our all, and we surrender our all to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.